0: Hello and welcome to The Weekend Booktopian, a podcast where a few booktopians get together each week to talk book news, share what they've been reading, and then face off in a deathly round of book trivia we like to call book fight. Uh, So we're in lockdown in Sydney, we're all at home again, so apologies for the maybe subpar sound quality. I'm sure you're used to some amazing sounds from us, especially uh, 50 episodes of amazing sound, because we are up to episode 50 of The Weekend Booktopian which is very exciting. Um, you may have remembered when we were back doing the daily Booktopian, um, which I'm sure our podcast produ- producer Nick would prefer not to remember because that was a lot of work for him. Uh, once again, I'm Olivia Frico, senior content producer and editor of the Booktopian blog, and I'm delighted to be your host this week. It's been a little while since I've been on, so I'm very happy to be back. And joining me today is Sarah McDooling, our Kids in YA category manager. Hi, Sarah. Oh, why, Hello. <laughs> That was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me also is Shanu Prasad, our Lifestyle Books Category Manager. Hi, Shanu. Hello. And we also have Cassandra Sharp, our Nonfiction Assistant Category Manager. Hi, Cass. Hey, hey Liv. Welcome, everyone. Let's get into it. So, on to the news. Um, it feels like it's been all awards buzz this week there's been so many award long lists short lists and winner announcements being made this week so we're just going to whiz through a couple of those super quick um, first up there was the australian book design award winners announced um, with winners including darren holt who just designs the amazing cover for trent dalton's all our shimmering skies um, and another one was zeno swarder um, who wrote this gorgeous picture book this small blue dot um, so congratulations to them and to all the other winners you can find more about that online Um, The long list for the $20,000 Colin Roderick award was announced uh, with authors such as Stephen Conti, Gary Disher, Sophie Laguna, Louise Milligan and many many more uh, being honoured and that's from the Foundation for Australian Literary Studies at James Cook University. So congratulations to you guys. Um, And Aussie author Laura Jean McKay has made it onto the British Arthur C. Clarke Award for Science Fiction shortlist. All six novels on the list are debuts, which is the first time that's ever happened in the awards history. Um, So, Laura Jean McKay, The Animals in That Country. I'm sure we don't need to talk too much about this book. It's been featured many, many times on this podcast. Uh, We've been having a bit of a chat in the office about the (laughs) the cross-genre of this book. Um, It's got literary fiction appeal, but it's also got speculative fiction appeal. Um, So it's interesting to see it being recognised for The
1: latter, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think that there will be a lot of people who read and loved the book who might not have necessarily hmm, considered that they were reading a spec fic book. I have not read the book, but I know that there are some really devoted fans at Booktopia and it's been on my um, wish list for quite a while. So maybe this nomination is the thing that will uh, prompt me to buy it and finally read it and then in the conversation.
2: makes me uh, interested to uh, find out more about the other books on the list which I haven't heard about because if they can consider uh, Laura Jean McKay's book to be um, something for an Arthur C. Clarke award that makes me a lot more interested because I did love that book Um, and I do love a bit of strangeness in fiction and weird things happening but I wouldn't consider myself a person that would enjoy uh, that much reading those big sci-fi kind of books, so I'm really curious now to go back and see what else they might have uh, put uh, put forward for this award.
1: Mm.
0: I'm so glad you asked. I have the shortlist here in front of me: <laughs> <laughs> The Infinite by Patience Agbabi, uh, uh, The Banished Birds by Simon Jimenez, uh, Vagabonds by Hao Jingfang, Jingfang, sorry, uh, Edge of Heaven by R.B. Kelly, um, and Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez, which is an interesting sounding list and you can definitely find out more about that online. Um, Moving right along, uh, the dates for the Booker Prize awards have been revealed and we will have the long list to us within the month. So look out for the short list on the 27th of July, the long list, no, the long list, Sorry. The long list is coming on the 27th of July, the short list on the 14th, and the winner will be announced in early November. Anything um, you particularly want to see on the list? So many things. I was talking about this with our campaigns coordinator, Ashley, this morning, just to let her know that that was happening and we should probably, you know, start thinking about what we're going to do for it. And she was like, do you have any idea what would be on the long list? And I'm like, no bloody clue. And then <laughs> I sat there and thought about it and I was like, actually, I do. I have a feeling we'll see *The Prophets* by Robert Jones Jr., another Mm -hmm. book that has been, the of which the praises have been sung, multiple times on this podcast. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised to see *Clara and the Sun* by Kazuo Ishiguro, or *Transition Baby* Tori Peters' um, whereabouts, Jhumpa Lahiri. Like, there's a there's a few when you think about it. There's a few definite big contenders out there,
2: but they all I yeah, always get confused as to who's who's eligible and what time period the book has to be published in. So every time I get the long list, I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't realize that book. Surely that book was already. <laughs> so that's that's sometimes, what I am Me
0: learning more about. On, Yeah, sometimes they let books on that haven't even been released yet. So I remember mm-hmm. Sally Rooney's Normal People was. Oh yeah. Um, was on the long the yeah the long list, I mean, it didn't come out till like September or something. Oh. Yeah, I think it was September. I can't remember. Either way, it was a pre-order title and people were
2: very intrigued. So, you'll have People to love to have everything. their opinions and it's harder to have an opinion if you can't even pretend <laughs> to read the book. I know.
0: <laughs> we'll wait and see, shall we? Um, and finally, uh, it's been a big round of, a big week for lots of book to film and also film to book adaptation news. Um, so, namely this week, Quentin Tarantino's uh, *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood* has been turned into a novel by the director himself, um, and it's apparently going
2: gangbusters. That's been released this week. It's four hundred pages. I'm but so intrigued by this. And, and it takes—it's not just—it's not just most novelizations, right? Of a movie, mm. are just like here is the movie and here it is in a book form. Yeah, a
3: yeah, so
1: Movie plot in a book. Uh, that's what we, we expect of a movie novelization, But this is something...
2: Yeah, this is more.
1: Uh, I, I read a review and
2: uh, can I highly recommend if you want to read the book, don't read the review because the review tells you way too much about what happens in the book. Uh, it's a Sydney Morning Herald review that's actually lifted from New York Times. So just avoid both of those things if they're talking about it. If you actually want to, don't want the spoilers about what changes have been made. You find out more things than what you find out Ooh. in the movie. And different things, different events are covered as well
1: and in more detail. Yeah, and apparently like the big epic final events, like the big final scenes of the movie, I'm keeping things spoiler-free for people. Are you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to say what the events notes. are. find it really boring, so... All I'm <laughs> going really to say is that what happened, the penul- the more ultimate moments in the film, right, the big mm-hmm. scenes at the end, apparently happen at the beginning of the book. So if that doesn't tell you how different the book is then. Okay. I think it's going to be, I think, very different, cover some different sort of timelines, go deeper into characters, backstories, and it's, I don't know, has Quentin Tarantino written a book before? Is this his first
2: book? There have been lots of books about Quentin Tarantino. We sell a new one, at least one or two, every single Christmas, but <laughs> I, don't, I think that's his first foray into uh, novel uh, novelizationing.
1: I'm just fascinated yeah. by this from the point of view of how loosey goosey all the rules around um, film adaptations have gotten there. It used to be that mm. you would have a book and then someone would turn it into a film or potentially a mini series and they would usually stick fairly closely to the story and that would be the end of it. But now it, all the rules any rules go. Like we've got um, we've just it's just been announced that there's gonna be a season two of Good Omens apple. Yay has already been I'm super excited. I loved
0: that Like, I quite yes. like the book. It's funny. It's a little bit dated, but, like, it's genuinely
1: very enjoyable. And now they'll be continuing that story, obviously, with, with input. Mm-hmm. Um, well, apparently it's based on a story, like a plot line,
0: that was sketched out by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, the original authors, back in 1989.
1: Yeah, so it's but that still, book never not... eventuated. So now we're yeah. basically getting to see a book in TV format that never happened. And was it you, Shanu, who said that they'd seen a tweet where someone had reacted to the news of Good Omen Season 2 with like, who, who's, who told me about this? I can't even Joel. remember. Joel, I think that yeah. know what you were talking about, but yeah. Yeah, when, he, when, when they were like, what are they going to do? Just make up the story? And Neil Gaiman was like, yes, as I did with book one. <laughs> we will be making up the story. They're just going to skip that part where it comes
2: out as a book. I'm more worried that someone thought that the good omens was his, a historical document as opposed to <laughs> a novel in the first place. That's what concerns me the most. A bit worrying.
1: I um, love and it, and this, and also, so somewhat connected to this, we get uh, we get the finished a little while ago. Like God knows, I can't remember. I have no concept of time anymore, <laughs> especially <laughs> since going back into lockdown. But we had the uh, Sanderton show come out to like give us a version of what. Jane Austen's novel would have been like had she lived to finish it, and now we're getting more seasons of that. And so, oh, I thought it was cancelled. It was cancelled. It was cancelled. got and gone gone oh, it's it's back. Back. Although I love the ending of
2: season of the first. I lo- I love the ending. I know no one else loved it, but I love. Well, it you'll be
1: end. fine because the guy <laughs> Theo James is not coming back. For oh well, then <laughs> you know. I'm not going to watch it then. What's so the that ending with between them will be their ending but no. charlotte's story is going to go on oh i don't want her to with anyone else no no i'm i'm banking on stringer now i always liked stringer a bit more anyway so i look i think that this is just such an exciting time in like storytelling mm. entertainment land, where yeah. you know disney plus is taking and making movies making TV shows out of movies. You can just do anything now. It's like there's no rules. You can. And but I think rise. there is a literary
0: precedent for it. Like plenty of series and books have been finished by not the original authors. An example I can think of is The Wheel of Time. Um, yeah. By oh, God, who's the original author of that? Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan, it, yes. And it was finished by Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. Um, yes. Sanderson died. was finally not finished by Jane Austen either. She died before she could finish it. And it's been taken on by many a romance author. Mm-hmm. um speaking well, of world I of mean, time what's, what's, they what's dropped the news that that's going to be coming later this year like it's actually dropping oh yeah, in yeah on, that is on, coming
1: online. i think book in in publishing there's always been like creativity and and rule breaking around like retellings and putting new spins on stories or taking over mm. another person's intellectual property and doing something else with it I I don't think we've ever seen it to this like to this level in the wider entertainment landscape with the things that are happening in movies and tv and books all connected at the moment it's very exciting and I would just like to put it on the record for whoever's (laughs) tally on these things and which Mm -hmm. entertainment industry is better um all of the best books and tv shows have their origins in books we wouldn't even have the marvel cinematic universe without comics so do with that what you may i don't know who <laughs> listening to everyone who's likely to be listening to this podcast including everyone in this podcast is a book fan so i don't know who needed to hear that but i needed to that. <laughs> although I <did laughs> someone have to say out there that, is yeah.
2: keeping the records exactly I, I i would the only thing i would have to say that i would that would make me doubt that it's being true is um to my mind the far and away novelization of the film was a, a work of literary genius and oh my God, highly underrated, which I read as a 12-year-old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to be a shiny pearl of wisdom. Because I was not, allowed, <laughs> to I was not allowed to
2: watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> However, no one noticed what I was borrowing from the library. So I read the novelization of the amazing Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman um, <laughs> film.
3: <Can you laughs> the Sky?
2: Far and away. <laughs> Yes. It was fat, too. It was not like a 20-page, like, novelisation. It was a lot. It was far away from the (laughs) Do you still have it? It was from a library. I don't steal books from a library.
1: I return Uh, them to the
2: library within the allotted time that they give me to borrow them.
1: Wow. Now you've filled me with the desire to read that, and I imagine it would be very difficult to find. (laughs) I'm going to try and track it down after this. Anyway,
2: that was a long time ago. Okay, books. 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 Right. What have we been reading and
1: loving? Sarah, let's start with you. Okay, so I'm wondering which one I should start with. I'm not going to – I'm going to try not to talk about too many. I'm going to (laughs) break my reading up into things that I've – reasons that I've been reading stuff. So we went back into lockdown. Um, I felt like some comfort reading because I think, you know, on the weekend i was like oh i really want to self-soothe with some reading of some favorites so i've spoken about this book on the podcast before i won't go into it in too much detail but i will just note that for perhaps the 13th or 14th time in my life i reread the book strong poison by dorothy l Sayers. Nice. <laughs> i just love this book um i was feeling in the mood for some classic golden age crime with a bit of romance and so for that reason i picked up this is the first book in the, um, it's not the first book in the series, sorry, the Peter Whimsy series has many books before this, but this is the entry point for Harriet Bain. It's the first book that Harriet Bain appears in and after this point in the timeline of the series, in the chronological timeline of the series, I think she appears in most of the books after that. Although I've never really been very clear on the reading order. Anyway, I really love it. If you're a fan of the sort of um, Agatha Christie golden age crime novel and you haven't read a Dorothy L Sayers book I believe she's way better than Agatha Christie and doesn't get the props that she deserves in the in the wider like I reckon anyone who reads crime would agree but in the world given Mm -hmm. the amount of adaptations and the amount of exposure that Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot have had versus Peter Whimsey the average person might not have even heard of this series which is just a a crying shame because the writing is like a billion times richer and it's just a great series and I really love it and I, for some reason, need to read about murder
3: (laughs) To
1: to feel calm. To feel calm, yeah, so that was, yeah, that's (laughs) that's number one book I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm also just going to divert and explain, I don't know how many, everyone's familiar with this author, her name is... Sarah J Maas, <laughs> has uh, previously written YA, which has brought many, many dollars into- Have you read The a Call of Silver Flames? Oh no, 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 okay. I'm like, this is the, this is the explainer to how, ha- uh, okay. it's, it's a whole Sorry. story. So
0: like,
1: <laughs> I'll expert. explain why that
0: excited me in a second.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she, she has been a big um, author within, I, for anyone who doesn't know it, uh, manage the kids and YA category at Octopia. this has been a big contributor to the uh, profit of that <laughs> uh, category. She has defected, like many a YA fantasy author, <laughs> to start writing adult fiction. And I, I, along with, I'd say the rest of the publishing industry, have kind of been looking around <laughs> to see who might be the heir to her, like, throne in the YA space the most likely candidates are all also defecting to write adult fantasy. So, uh, K- Cassandra Clare, she's leaving, she's gonna write adult fantasy.
2: What is
0: she? Holly Black, Black
2: Yeah,
1: She's leaving. She's gonna be writing adult
2: so, fantasy. Polly Black's books were already very adult. To me, I
1: found them quite scary.
2: Holly <laughs> Black.
1: Black's. Yeah. yeah I think they were very anyway. much YA though. But yeah. anyway, she's going, she's gonna go write some adult fantasy. So, like, I don't know. I, I, certainly, as a, a kid my category member, I'm kind of looking around, being like, well, who's going to fill this giant gap? So, I've been reading some of the authors that um, have been recommended to me by various publishers as likely candidates to, to step into that spot. So, the first book I'm going to read, uh, talk about, that I've read, <laughs> is um, Defy the Night by Bridget Kemmerer. So. She Bridget Camara has been writing for a long time, and I've I've always been a fan of hers. She's kind of hopped um, around a bit between subgenres in YA. She's written some lovely contemporaries. Um, Letters to the Lost is one that I really really loved, um, and then she moved on to the Curse Breakers series. Excellent, just, excellent series. Yeah, yeah, great series. And then this this book Defy the Night is coming in September and um, has been touted as like the book that is going to turn her into the new Sarah J Mars. I don't know about that because I don't think you can pre- predict that kind of stuff. I will say this book, I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> it, it, it is wildly, wildly romantic, like there are masked outlaws, hidden identities, there's a rebellion, there's like Oh, there's just so much going on in this book and the the central core romance is the driving. This is the A plot. So the A plot is the romance and then there's a lot going on in the B plot to do with the rebellion and some The right. t- people who the, the king and the king's brother. And I don't want to say too much in case I accidentally give something away because as I mentioned, there's all kinds of hidden identities going on here. But the A plot, the romance is just Chef's kiss, like really great, wonderful, angsty to the max, like pure YA romantic fantasy. And it ends in a very good place. Like I think you feel like okay, this is a complete story. But I do understand that it is going to be a series. So I don't know if they're going to switch to a different couple for the next. I reckon they. I reckon they're going to do something like that because she really
2: pivoted in the curse breakers right because the same thing happened where you read the first one and you're like oh yeah that's a story there was a but there was an ending where you could see it keeping on going and then it completely pivoted to be something different in the second In the second yeah game. and i've
1: been trying it to is, sort of yeah. pick it because there's so you're very much with these this couple in this book and then there are like some people you know one of the other key players on the battle board of this like kingdom between the ruling people and the rebellion leaders and stuff uh, is a likely candidate. You could switch over to him for book two. Um, And there is also another Royal that they could follow. But anyway, it was really good. And if you are a fan of romantic YA fantasy, if you do like authors like Sarah J Mars, Holly Black, um, Cassandra Clare, this is definitely going to appeal. And I would also say, if you've tried a Bridget camera before and weren't sold, she's a chameleon author. Like, I feel like she can can pretty much do anything. So, you know, just gently suggesting, if you tried her and you didn't like it, kind of every book I pick up of hers is a little bit different. And this one is, it's just very it's very romantic just if you want a romantic, is it more it. high fantasy or is it more urban
0: fantasy because that can also make the difference like for instance i think i prefer sarah j mass's urban fantasy like crescent uh, city compared to um the court of well, Thorns. that's her, her adult that's
1: her, oh they're all adult now aren't they yeah um well yeah it's 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 definitely the land of sword swords and yeah um kings and queens and stuff so there's not really it's not magic it's not like sorcery it's just kind of i guess a medi a medieval flavored sort of world um and there is actually an element of um it's one of those books like we've had so many of these but it's one of those books where a central part of it is a plague um that was written before COVID. (laughs) So, like, there is a afterward from the author saying, like, I've been working on this for a long time. We delayed bringing it out because,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, of world events. So, there is, um, if you're a bit exhausted of reading about plagues, it's not like, as I said, the, the A plot here is the romance. Um, so, it's not going to fatigue you on that. <laughs> it's just kind of a problem that they need to solve is that this kingdom is really dependent on a on a plant that cures this illness and so um people in control of that plant are like that's basically it's all just tied in anyway i'm 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 dwelling a lot on this one um and i don't mean to because i i have another one (laughs) so like there's more yeah so uh very very briefly um another contender for the in this space is the author um Kerry who you may know of from um she had a series that started with Stalking Jack the Ripper and uh, <laughs> it's like it's a very popular series I really liked it because it's kind of had a bit of a Sherlock Holmes vibe and mm-hmm. um goes on to like there's a there's a Dracula themed one and a Houdini themed one and um, and again, there's a romance at the core of that series. It's so much fun and I really liked it. But she has this new series out called um, Kingdom of the Damned and Kingdom of the Cursed, which is coming out later in the year. I read both of those because she's another author that everyone's sort of saying is the next Sarah J. Miles YA. And wow. This is one of those ones that is, I think it's very close to Sarah Jane Miles, like perhaps, perhaps more than Bridget Camera, but who, who skews very romantic, but not so much like on the um, spicy side, it's very like sweet romance, like it's angst-ridden romance, it's like epic storybook romance, but not so high on spiciness. Whereas, <laughs> Carrie Muster, oh my God, she's treading a very fine line where I think it's, it's a very fine line. Like, I think she'll probably be the very next author who defects to adult because <laughs> if you are looking for, um, you know, a very mature YA romance, I would say that is the series for you. The basic premise is it's about witches in Italy and um, they make deals with these devil princes that represent the seven sins so already you can kind of get the taste for this it's very like sinful and and um i don't have another adjective <laughs> it's sinful and uh the whole the whole of that series starts off with uh, twins and one of the twins is murdered the surviving twin a witch is um out for vengeance and makes a deal with Rath, the Prince of the Sin Wrath, and things sort of go from there and it gets very like it's another romance, it's a much spicier romance, and certainly, definitely a Sarah J Maas style one, so I'll be watching for the announcement that her next series will be released as an adult fantasy. But so at least there's <laughs> going at least seven books in this series, right? I think it's a trilogy, so... What? How do you... I read, seven deadly sins. <laughs> there was such a good opportunity there to spin that out. <laughs> Oh, I mean, when you start reading, some of these guys do not get a book, trust me. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's very much about the one guy, um, I, All right. I, I don't see, I don't see, maybe, who knows, she might spin it out. But this trilogy is, uh, the main character's name is Amelia and Rath, so Amelia and Rath are the main characters here. This trilogy is definitely sticking with them the whole way through. Um, unless something crazy happens in book three. I just finished book two. It's out in a few months. Book one was definitely YA. Book two, I'm like actually in a quandary thinking that we might have to put some, Disclaimer. Put some something up on the website to just say, oh, mature themes. <laughs> like <laughs> It's definitely a, a little bit more. Things have heat, heated up in the romance in the second one. And they're in health, so like. Oh, Oh, Yeah. Well, they're in the kingdom of the damned, which I I don't think it's explicitly stated to be hell, but it's basically.
0: I can see the
1: angry parent reviews on the product page. Yeah, it's some Persephone vibes in this one, except Persephone is a a quite vengeance seeking. I
0: have a feeling that Persephone and Hades is going to be the next big thing in YA. Apparently, Madeline Miller, Cersei, is talking about it on a podcast, and everyone's like. (gasps) Is oh, we getting a, oh I've already read, mean?
1: like, three different YAs. With mm. Yeah, Persephone and Hades yeah. have been going on in YA for a while. But if there's going to okay. be – anyway, that, that was the other right. one I read. The final, final book I'm going to talk about. I promise I won't talk very long because <laughs> I don't want to spoil. is Heard that before. Um, Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty. Nah. So I it is absolutely no secret that I love Leanne Moriarty. I consider her a queen. And any time that she's coming anywhere near to Booktopia, I literally run around saying the Queen is coming. (laughs) She's phenomenal. She's never written a bad book. Um, No members of the Moriarty family have ever written a bad book on that point. But this one... What sort of deal with the devil have they done, I wonder? (laughs) Yeah, well, something must be going on because they're all epic storytellers. And this one is her first book since... um, nine perfect strangers which I adored and it is so good apples never fall like anyone who's read a Leanne Moriarty book you know what you're in store for here she's just amazing at at creating these like addictive character dynamics like she she's like especially good at family dynamics but also as we saw in nine perfect strangers she just gets a group of people involved in a story and like magic happens. Like, I could not put this book down, I couldn't put it down. I like, I think I read it in an entire night. If I didn't get all the way to the end, it's only because I think I may have literally fallen asleep reading it and before forced to finish it this morning. The very, very basic no more information than the blurb um, set up is that it's about a family of um, sort of high achieving athletes. So the parents have uh, run a really famous tennis school that has trained some of the biggest tennis champions in Australia, but particularly there's one uber, uber famous tennis player that went through the school and was trained by the dad. And then at a critical moment when his career was taking off, dumped the dad as a coach and went with someone else. And that has been a real, it had a real effect on the family because it was like seen as this like huge betrayal. They've got four children, two boys, two girls, all of them played tennis. All of them were really top level tennis players but none of them actually cracked it into becoming career playing professional tennis players, even though they all, according to the parents, certainly had the potential to. <laughs> now we the story opens and they're all kind of adults. Um, none of them have married or had children, much to the mother's despair. She just wants grandchildren. And that's the scene, right? So I, I just won't say anything more than that, but just imagine what Leanne Moriarty can do in the world of high stakes like professional athleticism um, and the kind of pressures that can go into uh, being a kid who's been raised in that environment and like trained to succeed and then not succeed and then and then look it's just it's just amazing and like the best thing about it is it sets up a central question which I, again, weren't out like, because I don't want spoilers. And I know Shani wants to read this. So I'm being so careful. <laughs> you, I really appreciate it. Plus also yeah. everyone has to wait months and months and months for this, to, like two yeah. more months for this to come out. Yeah. So, mm, so yeah. vague, 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 no, no spoilers. But it, the book asks a question and it literally <laughs> I did not know the answer to that question until she reveals it at the end. It kept me guessing, but not in that way of like, I just don't know. In that way of like, it must be this. No, no, it must be this. Like the whole way through She's just amazing at leading you down the garden path and then you, you follow her and then she's like, sorry, actually, maybe we're over here. And like, I spent the whole book just enjoying the journey, but feeling absolutely uncertain of where I stood. A, f- a phenomenal reading experience. I cannot recommend it enough. And Liv, you will be getting my review shortly. And now I will stop talking. I'm sorry, I feel like that was <laughs> We need like a special like <laughs> sign to hold up with like, Sarah, stop. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but, like, I we
0: all listen, but we all want to listen to what you have to say.
2: So that's, that's uh, the
1: other... We just topic. need Sarah's Corner, the weekly recommendations from Sarah podcast. I, would I just yeah. need to cut down the number of books I want to discuss. I always feel like it'll be fast, but then it just never is.
3: <laughs> but you do such a good job of, like, making people excited about a book that you're reading. So. You do,
1: yeah. Oh, thank you for excusing my... lack <laughs> basic
0: things.
3: Anyway, Tanya and
1: Cassie have five
3: minutes each to talk about your book. <laughs> oh god, okay. Um, I was looking through what I've been reading because we're now in July and who can believe it's July? Oh my god. So what did okay. I read in June? Um, I read Porcaso by Remy Lai which is a gorgeous kids graphic novel about a dog that mysteriously appears on Saturdays with a basket in his mouth and some money and he goes shopping and then he just disappears. And this kid who's at home, um, there's a bit of a mix-up where people think that he's her dog and suddenly she's got all these friends and like everyone thinks she's really cool and she doesn't actually know where Paul Carso lives (laughs) and it's just this very cute look at um, you know the importance of telling the truth to your friends and like being into art and all kinds of things like there's plenty for adults to enjoy and kids as well Like, there's lots of cute little references.
1: The illustrations look so cute. I saw the copy on your desk before. It does look so cute. And it's really popular. It's been selling a lot.
3: Yes. Um, The author based and illustrator based um, the design of Casso on her dog, whose name is Pooprower. And he's gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) And you can can just see it being a TV show or something. Yeah. But, yeah, if you love dogs or you love art, like the cover quote says, definitely pick it up. Um, And that was recommended by Eden.
1: Oh, she she's a gem a good, she's
3: good that girl yeah. she is <laughs> um, what else um, I started reading The Mother Wound by Amani Haido which is incredibly beautifully written um, and it's about her life growing up as a woman in a family that like, culturally didn't treat their children quite as equally as one would expect because she comes from a Middle Eastern background. And sort of the thing, it jumps backwards and forwards in time to when her mother was alive, because um, it's also about domestic violence and how her dad murdered her mum. And like the question of like, should she have seen this coming? Like what happens when you're one of the people left behind and you can kind of piece all the, Things together to see how this has happened, um, and it is a very deep topic. And she writes incredibly beautifully. Like there's a bit where she describes meeting her future husband, and it's so beautiful. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my heart, it's melting." <laughs> um, and there's just there's so much um, detail, and there's so much life in her writing. You can oh. almost picture like her family members there arguing or like, chatting or things like that, which I think is amazing, because I personally can't remember anything, so if I was to write any sort of book, it would just be like full of blank pages being like, I don't quite remember what happened here, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but yes, do recommend, it's going to be incredible, it's going to be one that everyone talks about, um, and it's gorgeous, Eden also recommended her <laughs> to me, so it's really just like, an I love Eden, I <laughs> um, what else? <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, For context, Eden is Sarah's assistant. Eden
1: is an amazing uh, bookseller. and Yes. Yes.
3: She's amazing. If she
1: ever tells you to read something, I would highly recommend following that advice.
3: Yes, just do it. Um, (laughs) What else? I, like many other people at Booktopia and Booktopians generally, was reading No One Listens to Your Dad's Show by Christian O'Connell, which has been flying off the shelves. He was a number one radio DJ in England. And then he started struggling with anxiety and he decided to move to Australia to start all over again. <laughs> and it's very, very funny. Like, I was laughing to myself in public at several points of the book. And it's just, there's so much in it. Like, he very honestly describes what it's like to have anxiety and meeting a weird therapist who's like, Go on, try and push me over. And he's like, You're an old man, I don't want to do that. <laughs> And, like, his wife is a very, um, like, very logical, very methodical lawyer. And he's kind of like this all-over-the-place creative person who worries too much. And she'll just send him text messages, like, I'm coming home in a second. I need you to bring a glass of water out of the car with, like, no context. Or you need to kill the pigeon when you get home. And he's like, what? (laughs) I don't want to kill the pigeon. (laughs) Anyway. I love the um, sound of this. It's... It's really great. I would highly recommend that as well, even if you haven't listened to his show like I hadn't before. I had to research this book for work. Um, he is just a very delightful person to spend time with on the page. And you can also see how much he loves his wife, Sarah, and he loves his two daughters. Like he just constantly talks about it and it's like heart meltingly sweet. Um, People I'm also, Sarah
1: are generally very lovable.
3: I know. <laughs> just generally so um and like a lot of other people i'm reading who gets to be smart by brie lee which it starts at oxford because a friend of a friend is studying there and you see all the things that she's describing like i was also studying louis theroux's book where he also went to westminster and like to oxford and all this stuff and i'm like oh my god (laughs) like there's some secret ish college that only takes two people a year because they're that interesting and important and just like the huge amounts of privilege like it's just as mind-blowing and she kind of walks through ideas of like who gets to be smart what is a Rhodes scholar like I didn't know what a Rhodes scholar was and when I googled it I'm like how do you even like assess people on some of these qualities wow oh, I <laughs> love me. <somebody.
1: laughs> I, I um eggshell skull is like such
3: a phenomenal book. Yeah um, I read Beauty I, and I, I like cried. <laughs> um, she Beauty is a also, really
1: interesting book.
3: Yeah it's like it's depressing but it's very powerful and you're like mm. if someone has accomplished as Brie Lee feels like that and I'm just a regular person who feels like this then <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> um, so that bit was very relatable but she also kind of looks at um, the idea of at home who gets to be smart and who gets funding and who gets kind of funneled through um, the right channels to get to university and onto the academic world and stuff like that. Uh, which is really interesting. And I've also listened to a bit of the audiobook and she's just got a very easy to listen to voice. That sounds um, so good. Yeah. And in terms of what I'm excited to read next, I'm pumped to read Trivial Grievances by Brady Jabor, um, nice. who my boss Joel is very keen to talk about the book because he said oh. it's very funny.
2: You just podcasted with her. That should be coming out on Tropia soon, right?
3: Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very morning. <laughs> very exciting. Um, Late Bloomers by Clem Bastow, I think her last name is, yep. um, which it has oh, like the most that. gorgeous sparkly cover and I had to steal it off Joel's <laughs> desk because, yeah. I mean, Joel doesn't notice what's on his desk most of the time, but also because I wanted to read it. <laughs> um, and... What else? I've got one that Chanou recommended on the pod last year, I think, called Please Don't Hug Me. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Such a great oh, no. book. Yeah. She's got a new want- one coming. New one is I know, coming. I saw this that. Year for Christmas. I saw it. Yeah. So, so I, like, I need you. to read this. Yeah. I need to read this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also Deep Fakes by, I think, a lady named Nina Schwick, which is about how people can manipulate data and also like images and stuff to convince so people scary. that something is real so scary someone someone did that with like tom cruise like last week or something and it was very creepy yeah because it looked exactly like him and it doesn't have to be convincing and it doesn't have to be like particularly good it just needs to be like plausible enough yeah like from far away you could be like okay well that definitely was nancy pelosi falling over (laughs) i was like no it wasn't that doesn't matter half the people believe that now um so it opens with a line about like barack obama (laughs) And I remember like opening it and I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm late to work. I don't have time for Barack Obama. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to come back to it.
0: I am looking forward to hearing about all of your thoughts on all of those. books. Cass. <laughs> thank what you a so.
3: great selection. Yeah. yeah. Also, Luke's well, very patient with hmm? me and my reviews.
0: Lives oh no, patience. thank you for being patient with me. Uh, Cass will have a roundup of nonfiction book reviews, hopefully out next week. I <laughs> have a very Ooh. full schedule right now. It's crushing me. <laughs> but just I'm really do excited to share month. it as well because Cass's brain is incredible and as ma- as I want as many people to be exposed to it as possible. Aww. So look out for Cass's nonfiction reviews on the blog soon. So thank you for sharing those with us, Cass. Uh, Shanu, what have you been reading and loving lately?
2: Well, I'll just give you a quick roundup. Um... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sounded a bit pointed there, Shanu.
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It'll just be a quick roundup um seven days in june tia williams not normally a person that reads reese with a spoons book club picks on purpose um like i did read out and um, north but that was just because i read it and then it got picked and i was like oh that's an unusual pick and i think like, it wasn't as popular as some of her others but um the reason i'm reading seven days in june is not because it was reese's pick but because hannah who saw it was who is the fiction assistant category manager who saw it was said it looked really good and i said i do like the sound of that and I read it and it was excellent. Um, much better, in my opinion, than other books of a similar concept. I thought it um, also, if you do read it, I highly recommend um, watching Run the World on Stan because it really gives you the right mindset of these, like, um, well connected, really amazing um, mm-hmm. black women in New York and, like, um, really highly educated, really smart, beautiful, um, and just. It's a great, great story, and a great. Um, I think it was like a more, much more accessible look at power dynamics and dynamics of of of, um, of the the um, genre, like about genre fiction, um, and you know what is considered true literary fiction and what is considered women's fiction, and all that kind of stuff, um, um, and also about race and. Um, uh, in the literary world, much more accessible kind of discussion of those things than, like, The Other Black Girl, which is also an excellent book, but just goes into that more of that spec thick kind of um, uh, kind of genre, whereas this Seven Days in June kind of talks about, by T. Williams, talks about those issues, but also has a really, really, really beautiful romance in it. Since we're talking about romance today, well, I'll just add that in.
1: Um, I can't uh, wait to read this book. Yeah. I've heard mm-hmm. such good things about it. Yeah. And I'm such mm-hmm. a sucker for any book about authors, like, any see yeah. any, any story about authors particularly like if they've got any kind of rivalry going on yeah
2: well i'm reading another one right now which is talk bookish to me um, where she's a romance writer again it's a romance she's a romance writer so um, so there's a there's a, a a romance kind of book like excerpts from the book she's writing inside the book so you get like oh my god Ooh. so many books um, <laughs> then uh, one of my favorite books um, that i that, that i read uh, last week uh, two weeks ago, was uh, Once, Once There Were Wolves, um, yeah. Charlotte oh. um, She wrote Last Migrations, which was one of my favourite books last year, and this is 100% one of my favourite books this year, and no matter how many other great books I will read this year, which I know I will, um, this will still be there. Um, she just does, the way she writes is so easy to read again. It's just like you start reading and then you finish the book, but it makes you think but it doesn't um, lecture you. It makes you think about relationships. It makes you think about the environment. It makes you think about right and wrong and about perspectives, but it doesn't lecture, which I think is super, super important um, in, uh, in novels particularly. Um, and um, it's just, it's, it, it's great. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine how this book was going to be better than Last Migrations, but I think I actually mm. um, found it even more enjoyable. It's better? Uh, such,
1: such a great story rewilding wolves in scotland yeah oh, oh my god okay so i haven't read once we were wolves yet i loved the last migration and can i just i know that i shouldn't shut up but like just <laughs> that's fine covering that is the same author that also wrote the um that way <laughs> series that i read with Thorn and Isadora and I forgot the name of the first book. That was like one of those moments where I'm like, oh my god, it's the same person. I had no idea. I had no idea. I independently loved both of her different kinds of books. She has a a screenwriting background
2: um, as well. Um, And so uh, particularly Last Migration, I felt was extremely filmic, uh, which is great considering it's being made into a film. So yeah, that's, that's the other thing that's amazing to know about her. All of these things are crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then very quickly, I read um, a book that I know that a lot of other people have read as well. uh, Sarah Winman's Still Life. Um, It was, I've never read any of her books before. I just literally, I don't even know why I decided I wanted to read this one. I think because Liv was so excited about it. And then Ben, (laughs) the fiction category manager, read it and he said it was excellent and then um, Jo, um, who's in charge of everything, she also said it was excellent. <laughs> so I was like, fine, give oh, me a oh, copy, J-Line. let me read it. And they were all absolutely correct. It is an epic story that is uh, epic in its time frame, in that it starts in 1944 and goes until the late 70s. But it's such a small story in that it's about people and their in- interconnectedness and their life. And oh my God, I know we can't travel, but I literally traveled to Italy in my mind, I've never even been to Italy, to Florence, and I felt like I was there. And I read—I mean, I pretty much try and read all of my books all in one go. So I read—I read that all, um, last Saturday, and um, I didn't know we were in lockdown when I, hmm. when I was finished. And I, at the end, is when I found out I was in lockdown. Thank you, Sarah, for sending me a text message saying, "How do you feel about lockdown?" I was like, "Oh, we're in is lockdown." Is that how you found <laughs>
3: out? Oh.
2: <laughs> it's fine. Oh, I sure. Somehow. <laughs> Um yeah. uh but then you know what? I love that book so much. And I was still in that world. I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if I did something else, I might have felt differently
1: about that. Oh my god, I love you.
3: <laughs> um, can I also do what our category managers have done and talk about two extra books that I'm excited about that I forgot about just very, very quickly. Go um for so I got a copy of The Storm Is Upon Us by Mike Rothschild, which is about the QAnon conspiracy theory. And it's coming out very soon. And I'm so excited to read it Um, because it kind of just came out of nowhere. And suddenly everyone was talking about it and there were protests and people saying things and like all these kind of wild things. And you're like, but where did it start? Like, anyway, so he's supposedly um, the foremost expert in the QAnon conspiracy theory. So I'm excited to read that. Um, And also I'm very excited to read um, Too Muslim, Too Migrant, Too Loud by Green Senator Maureen Faruqi. Um, Her sample was amazing. It made me cry. It made me laugh. It just was everything. And I can't wait to read the whole book. Wow.
0: Oh, man. So many books here. So many excellent books, which is very fitting for our
1: 50th episode of the Weekend (laughs) Booktropian. I just think I'm continuing my strategy of if we talk about books for long enough, we won't have to do book fight.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> let's not do book fight. I think are going to say I've works, like yeah.
1: more books this month,
2: guys. I can keep going. Um, <laughs> no, so, no, yeah, it's time for book five. No, 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 no. Unless all the unless all the questions are about. You know what? I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this for next. I'm going to save talking about this book that I was going to talk about for next time.
3: So, um,
2: just because I I, really I, think I, I, I like you, Liv, and I know that you have to do book fight, you've prepared for it. <laughs> so I don't. I don't want to be the one that you know lets lets Listen. the team down.
0: I know I say this every time, but the questions are genuinely
2: really good. <laughs> I, I don't I care. Think... Just let's just yeah. start. Let's <laughs> just start. I don't mind. <laughs> do... It's <laughs> like a band aid. Just rip it off.
1: Let's do it. Just
2: <laughs> start. Man, you think it's hard answering them? I have to write these. Huh. <laughs> oh, don't worry, don't worry. I I volunteer to write them next time, and you can answer the questions. <laughs> <you>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time for book fight. Our Weekly Book Trivia Quiz, I will be asking some tricky bookish questions and our unlucky contestants will have to battle it out to get the correct answer in first. Can I please have all of your buzzer words?
1: Sarah. Uh, tennis.
0: Nice.
1: Shanu.
2: July.
0: Yep. And Cass? Beep.
2: I'm sorry, what was that? Beep. Oh, beep.
0: (laughs) Oh, beep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I couldn't think of anything. That's okay. I'm getting okay, quite hungry. <laughs> yeah, let's roll let's wrap this up. <laughs> Question one. As we discussed earlier, Good Omens Season Two is on the way. But can you name the most recent BBC adaptation of another Terry Pratchett book series? No. Be- Hannah? Oh, Cass? The Night Watch. You are correct it was the night the watch based on the night watch books from discworld did anyone watch the night watch i watched
2: five minutes i didn't understand them i didn't
0: know but like, i did not i disagreed with the direction in which they took the books so <laughs> i think those books are fantastic and they didn't need to do anything but anyway i'm gonna just yeah
1: I <laughs> Yay, Casper, getting a no, We're still trying to <laughs> yeah. derail
2: book fight. Question <laughs> two, not. I'm trying to get it over and done with fast. is the one that's trying to derail her own book fights, not me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just think the watch is terrible. Anyway, question two.
0: Name all three of Brie Lee's books. Uh Tennis.
2: I heard Casper. Sorry, Sarah.
3: <laughs> um, Eggshell, Skull, Beauty, and Who Gets to Be Smart.
2: Very correct. Which is funny because you already mentioned all three of them earlier. So I I didn't, know, I
0: didn't know. know you were all gonna do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Question three: In which U.S. state is *To Kill a Mockingbird* set?
2: Uh, me, which is July. Yep. <laughs> I think I'm wrong, but I'm gonna say Mississippi. If you funny. are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, Sarah. Alabama. Yes, it is oh, set
0: in. Alabama. <laughs> Question four: According to Liane Moriarty. What don't apples do? Uh, tennis. Yes, Sarah. Ball. You are correct. <laughs> Question five. How many books are in the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan? Oh, no.
1: Tennis? Yes, Sarah? 78. I'm just going to guess. <laughs> you are incorrect. Um, i really. <laughs> the answer is
0: divisible by five. OK.
2: Uh, Cass Cass said beep.
3: Oh, sorry, Cass. Was it
2: 13?
3: No. Divisible by five. So I was going to say 15, but, you know, sometimes your first instinct (laughs) is correct.
2: Um, Line one, i give it a go then. Uh, I'll still be wrong, but um, hopefully I can (laughs) divide things by five. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't hear, Cass. That's not your fault. I'm just saying I'm worried about my own math skills. Um... (laughs) Say twenty.
0: You are correct. Wow. Twenty books in the Wheel of Time. That's a lot
1: of books. I think it's cut out
2: for it in adapting those books. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) Well done, everyone, just talking over each other there. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Question six. What happens to us when we can't leave it (laughs) up?
0: Question six. Name the co-writer of Will Smith's upcoming memoir, Will. Yep it's Mark Manson. It is Mark Manson, well done. All right, now with two questions left, I'm just going to do a quick score roundup. Shanu is on one point, Sarah is on two, and Cass is ahead on three. Um, And there are a potential three points up for grabs in these last two questions, so it could go anyway. So let's get into it. Question seven. For two points, name the series and the title of the first of the book that this line is from, this is oh. the opening line of a book series. So name the series and the title of the first book. So that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I won't
2: get it, but it makes sense. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. Here
0: is the quote: "If you are interested in happy endings, you would be better off reading some other
3: book." Beep. Yes, Cass. Um, is that a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snickers?
0: Yes, and I need the name of the first book.
3: So. Um, oh god. I can't remember.
2: Does anyone know what, what any of the names of the actors
1: I can't remember either! I do!
2: If you
3: know Failure was a
1: kids category manager!
0: <laughs> it was a long <laughs> um, time ago, that's a, that's a clue for you. It's alliterative.
3: Oh no! I mean, no, I'll are. just go for a half point, I guess.
0: Well, you've got one point. There were potential two- one whole point. point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The answer you. I was looking for was the bad beginning. Ah. Right. Yeah. I loved those books up until the last book and I was like what was that ending but maybe I'll appreciate it if I read it as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did that. I think
1: you should I think you should go on that
0: journey. Oh I'm, I'm kind of tempted. All right final question. Question eight. Let's see how well you were listening during book news. Um, how many books on the Arthur C. Clarke award
2: shortlist are debut this novels? Why. This one yeah. I actually know. <laughs> six and there's only six it's the only time that there's ever been six debut novels in this award.
0: You are correct Sharnu! No. The so final good. score round up Sarah and Shanu, you ended up with two points each
2: and Cass has one Book Fight with four points. Congrats Cass. High five Cass. everyone. I think
1: that's Thanks. the most ever gotten in one of these in these quizzes so I'm <laughs> impressed. And as heart. always I'm pleased to not have zero points. <laughs> I'm <laughs> proud of you all. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> of improvement guys, it's great.
2: Two points is great.
1: Four well, points definitely. is better. Okay, so in just <laughs> yeah. under three and a half hours, we have done the Weekend Booktopian. Thanks for having us, Lynn. Yay, us. <laughs>
0: All right, we are finally going to wrap this up because that's all we have time for this week. I'm hungry. Everyone else here is hungry. We're going to go have lunch. So thank you so much to Sarah, Shadu and Cass for joining me today on the Weekend Booktopian. And thank you again to all of our wonderful listeners who tune in week after week. Sometimes I have no idea why you do. <laughs> the Booktopian is produced by Nick Vasiliev, and you can find more episodes of this show as well as other fun podcasts on our SoundCloud and Apple Podcast channels. You can also find more bookish, fun bookish content on our blog, The Booktopian, including a recipe for four ginger parsnip sticky date pudding from Alice Zislavski and her best-selling cookbook in praise of veg. And you'll also find our monthly roundup of the best books we read. And don't forget to check out Crime Month, which we are celebrating all month long on Booktopia and also on the blog. Um, You can get 25% off our top picks in the uh, Crime Month collection. Um, You can check out some of your favorite crime author's bookshelves. So Val McDermid's favorite crime reads will be going up on the blog later today. It's lots of fun and there is an awesome prize to be won, I believe. So head over to booktopia.com.au to check that out. Thanks for listening and never stop reading.